Well, good evening and happy new year. So, during this time of year, uh, we as a collective bunch of human beings uh, try to do New Year's resolutions. Anybody here uh, have a New Year's resolution? No one. Wow, that's, uh, you know, that is, uh, that is actually pretty surprising. So, well, anyhow, uh, after tonight, you might want to make one. So we'll, we'll see. So several years ago on social media, there was this huge up, um, uptick of uh, New Year, New Me. So New Year, New Me. So I'm going, it's a new year. I'm going to change some things about myself to make myself better. Now, New Year's resolutions have been going on in some form or another all the way back to where actually we've been studying in the book of Daniel, all the way to the ancient Babylonians. They would actually um, make these resolutions to their gods so that they could have better uh, crops that year, have, um, have a productive and fruitful farming season. But nowadays it's just to uh, make a goal to make yourself better or to lose weight or something along those lines, um, have better financial goals and one of the uh, one of the best ones I've I've heard. I had a relative one time that he's he's he was like I'm going to lose ten pounds this year. And so we get to Thanksgiving and we're asking you know Hey, how are you doing with that resolution that you had? He's like Great, I've only got fifteen pounds to go. <laughs> so um, you know that was definitely one way of looking at it. But here are some statistics on some of those resolutions. Um, after one week. So as of this Saturday, only 75% of people are still successful at it. You go one more week, only 71%. You jump a month, 64% of people are still holding on to that resolution. After six months, less than half, at 46% of people, uh, claimed that they would still uh, be, that they were on track with their resolution. And if you go to the end of the year, we see that only 9% of people, 9% would feel that they were successful in that. So I, I purposefully didn't have a testimony or give a testimony because the title of uh, the message may be, it, or is, it may be a new year, but we have the same God. So new year, not new year, new me, new year. Same God. And we're actually going to find a passage where we see this same God uh, tonight in Psalm 107. So Psalm 107. And we will have the first 16 verses, but I'm going to read the first two. Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how how it doesn't change because you do not change. But I pray that we would change because of it, that we would become to uh, be more like you. So... uh, I pray, Father, that you would uh, help me 
and not let anything that I, I say or do get in the way of your message. And uh, we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Every year at the Wilds, during staff training week, Ken Collier um, would always get up and he would give us God's mission statement. So I'll read it a couple times, and this is something that always stuck with me, because I get to be a part of God's mission. It says here that God's mission on the earth is to redeem and restore fallen people to the likeness of his Son, to the praise of his glory. So if you're taking notes, I actually got my points from those from that little statement there. So I'll read it again. God's mission on the earth is to redeem and restore fallen people to the likeness of his son, to the praise of his glory. So we're actually going to see here in the first uh, nine verses that God is redeeming his people. Now, if you are in tune, you're going to see that two of the verses were actually uh, our memory verses from February of last year. So let's read it. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of the distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So the first one we see that God is redeeming his people. Now, redemption here uh, could have a couple of different connotations. Uh, the redemption here is uh, recovering of lost property. So here, the Israelites, um, it could be uh, referring to the Israelites coming back from Egypt or even from, uh, from Babylon and in the exile there. And that's where we get from both the east and from the west and from the north and from the south there. So he is gathering all of these people back to himself. And wherever there is redemption, there is gathering. So God is always, when he redeems people, he is gathering to himself. Maybe he has redeemed you. You were lost in, dark, in, in sin and darkness. And you, we see like these people here who were hungry and thirsty. And maybe like when Jesus, he said in um, the Sermon on the, on the Mount, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be what? Filled. And we see here that they cried unto God. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Yes, literally, in a, in a, in a real state, that they were hungry and that they were thirsty. But they were hungry and thirsty for God to have that land that they could dwell with him. And we see that whenever they called on him, he answered. And he redeemed them. He uh, met their need to restore the land. But it could have been as just a sla- or as giving a slave freedom. Uh, whenever you have been bought from the slavery of sin, 
and set free. You have been redeemed. So God has been doing that. And he's been doing this from the beginning of time. We see it all the way back in Genesis 3. After the fall of man, he was making a way. You know, he, he told Eve that your seed shall um, bruise the head of the serpent. And the serpent will bruise his heel. We see that God had been making a way from the very beginning to redeem and to restore his people. And we see that here that, you know, he said that he led them forth. So God was redeeming people. He was bringing them back to himself. And he was doing that in such a way that he was uh, gathering them, bringing them from a faraway place back to himself there. And what is, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that later, but he satisfies the longing soul. He uh, fills the hungry soul with goodness there. So that's God redeeming his people. Let's see God restoring his people. And we see this in verses 10 through 16. It says, such as sit in darkness. So those same people that were in need of redemption, those same people needed restoration. It said, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and uh, contempt <clears throat> the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. And then they cried out unto the Lord in trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise him for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men for he broken the gates of brass and he cut the bars of iron in sunder. Now the language here is restoring people uh, that had been socially excuse me, that had been uh, socially exiled or removed from social interaction from their uh, community. Doesn't that sound, I mean, like what we've kind of been through in some way or another? Um, But these people, think about it like the lepers. The lepers, after they had gotten leprosy, they were sent out from from their community, uh, sent out to be all alone, because if that leprosy would go through, it's a very deadly, very painful disease. And I was... Uh, as I was looking through this and studying for this, I wanted to see, well, what would happen? Because there were a few times that lepers were able to come back in the community. We actually see this in Leviticus, um, but I'm just going to read what, uh, what it says that they would have to do as, as they found that they had been cleansed from leprosy. Uh, so it says here that the priest shall command to take uh, for him who is cleansed two living and clean birds. Cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it of the cedar and the, uh, the cedarwood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean. And he shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He who uh, is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. 
And this shall, uh, and after that he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. So even after he had been cleansed, yeah, there was still a little bit of this social separation, but there was still a restoration. He was still able to come back within, uh, within his community there. Much like uh, whenever, we've, whenever church discipline has to happen. You know, there is a, a repentance there. And after a repentance and a time of viewing and watching this person to see, yeah, they, they have repented of the, the sin that they had committed, then they were allowed to back in. You know, God was still redeeming and restoring these people to the likeness of his son there. So we see here that these people, they, they had rebelled. So they had rebelled against God's word. And so they ended up where they were. It was their own fault. That's all they can say. It was my own fault that I'm here because I rebelled against God's word. But what, sa- what saved them? Well, we see it there in verse 13. Just like we saw back in verse 6, they cried unto the Lord. They cried unto the Lord and in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. So he brings them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands and sunder in two. And we actually see this same language in uh, Isaiah 45, where Isaiah names King Cyrus 140 years before his birth as the one who was going to break away the irons and set the people of Israel free. The same people that Daniel would have known. That they were able to go home and go back to their people. He was the one that, that, said, or that said that God was able to use them to restore a nation because they called out to him. And we see that he was able to do that. So God was on this mission to redeem, restore his fallen people to the likeness of his son. So this is actually my final point. I know it's a little shorter, but we have communion tonight as well. But what should be our response? Well, we see it throughout uh, several times throughout the first 16 verses here. But if you continue throughout the psalm, we see it as well. For, uh, we see back in verses 1 and 2, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So we give thanks, we give praise. It said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, have you been redeemed? Have you been restored? Say so. Praise God. And then we see here, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And we see that twice, verse 8 and then verse 16, or 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why? He satisfies the soul. The longing soul fills the hungry soul with goodness. And he also has broken the gates of brass and cut the iron or the bars of iron in two. He's done that for me. He's done that for you. He's uh, taken and filled uh, a hungry soul with goodness, and he has broken the chains, the chains that you and I would have been bound by sin, 
and he did that. Why? Well, honestly, for his glory, but to uh, be to the likeness of his son, that we would be more like Jesus. You know, and I, I was talking with Pastor a little earlier uh, today and seeing that King Nebuchadnezzar, he got this. After, after all of that, he, after all that he went through, we see in the very last, uh, last verse of Daniel chapter 4, uh, or in the last little bit of Daniel chapter 4, and he says, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned to me. And what did he do? He blessed the Most High. He praised God. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. So we see that even all those years ago, God has been doing the same thing. He's been saving, he's been redeeming, he's been restoring his people all for his glory. So, maybe you haven't made a New Year's resolution yet this year. But, praising God, and how do we praise God in a day like today? Well, why don't you tell others what God has done for you? And maybe make it to where it's only like once or twice, even if it's one person every month, that's still 12 people that we can give the gospel to. And maybe that's 12 lives that they can say, you know what, I can praise this one because, or I can praise uh, God because he also can redeem and restore me. He's been doing it from uh, eternity past and he's going to be doing it uh, forevermore. And um, if you would actually take your hymnals, we're going to look at a song here that, and this is a song I, um, I instantly thought of just after um, just thinking of what has God been doing or what has God been the same? He's always been the same. So let's look at 422, 422. And I'm just going to read that first stanza. If you want to read it as well, uh, uh, or read it along with me. Uh, it's yesterday, today, forever. 422, it says, Oh, how sweet the glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. He Still, he loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame, cheer the mourner, still the tempest, Glory to his name. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus, never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus, never. Glory to his name. So tell someone, maybe make it your resolution this year, that I'm going to tell others about this unchanging God. It may be a new year, but we've had the same God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and um, how you do not change. We thank you that uh, all of this has been going on for as long as time has been and that you've always had a plan to redeem and restore people to the likeness of your Son for the praise of your glory.
I pray that we would do that this year. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.